Welcome back, ladies and gents. We are here filming another podcast with all kinds of good things okay, well, in it first today. First and foremost, what the crap was that intro? What the crap was that <laughs> intro? <laughs> What'd you do? <laughs> we didn't hear Kawhi Leonard this time. I Yeah, what the heck? But it was, it was freaking lit, and that lit, beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful... Delicious soundbite. Soundbite that you just heard of milk and cookies. Of <laughs> milk and cookies. And sweet, sweet, sweet cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs> that comes from our very own Jeff Slaw, who's going to be joining us today. Hayden, let's get a round of applause, Jeff. Weak, but I like it. Yeah, it was solid. It was solid. We clapped. Maybe I'll toss in some audio that has a little clap for just us. Like the Make usual fake audience. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean fake audience? Sorry, sorry. No, no, that's real. Totally How do you real. feel about the millions of people that are literally in the room with us right Intimidating now? Intimidating as crap. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Um, so yeah, everybody, last week's episode was great. It was one of two parts. And number two, as far as when we are recording this right now, number two was released today. Um, and so check those out. If you haven't seen number one, don't listen to number two. If you haven't seen number two, listen to number one, whatever, whatever. That didn't make any sense. Just listen to both of them. All of them. <laughs> Just listen to all of them. Just start from the beginning. Exactly. Just start from the beginning. Do what you do. You'll figure it out. Um, a lot of cool things coming up. Obviously, today we have an amazing guest, which we're going to introduce in just a moment. Next week, we had another awesome guest. And then, of course, we're just going to continue it on from there. Um, but in the meantime, once again, Jeff Slaw joining us here today. Um, Jeff Slaw, he is a hip-hop slash EDM DJ, born and raised in Philly, which makes me jealous because I just think of all the Philly cheesesteaks you probably ate as a boy. Oh, yeah. And right now I'm so <laughs> hungry. I am so hungry. And the thought of a oh, freaking cheesesteak sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> currently lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. And this young man, his debut album reached 10 million streams on Spotify he, after being promoted by EDM.com and EDMtunes.com. Um, and Dim Mark Records. That's absurd. 10 million streams? Goodness, Jeff. I don't even feel worthy <laughs> to be chilling with you. I'm like, yeah, we got like a thousand views. It's sick. Yeah, but that's not all even. Yeah, that's it just... It keeps going. Oh, that's just the start. That is just the start. Um, recently, Jeff has opened for several touring acts, including... Just some just under-the-ground artists. Yeah, yeah. underground, low-key artists. You know, I don't know. Probably haven't heard of them. Probably not. I mean, I've never heard of this guy, uh, Justin Bieber. Never heard of that guy. Yeah. Um, Tory Lanez, never heard of him. No. Steve Aoki, who even is that? You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? um, just some small local names that Jeff's been opening yeah, for. Yeah, if you're not from Utah, you might not recognize them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely insane, everybody. That's Justin Bieber, Tory Lanez, Steve Aoki. And so Jeff is very well-versed in what he does. Um, he's got a lot of talents, a lot of skills. Dabbles. I've He dabbles, you know? Time, time, side game, bit. side hustle, you know? <laughs> um, I stalked your Instagram for like a good hour or three. Jeff knows what he's doing. And so as well, you do weddings as well, mm-hmm. from what I've seen. If anybody wants a wedding DJ that's once the best DJ in the history of DJs, let Jeff know. Um, <laughs> we'll make sure that we tag him in all of the posts on Instagram and get his at and everything so that way you guys can contact him. Um, but at the same time, he knows what he's doing, so he'll do that as well. And so, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This is really exciting. Um, if you want to say anything about yourself, take the floor. No, yeah, thanks, man. Um, super pumped to be here. Like, Hayden, so the way that I got on here initially is Hayden and I go, we work at the same, the same office, and uh, he was telling me when he joined the team about what you guys are all about, and I, I absolutely love the whole message of life must go on. And I love the song that it's based <laughs> off of. Too. Hey, that's a great song. Yeah. That's a great song. So. Hey, if you got connections to bring him on. D- yeah, we're just waiting for the day Quinn comes on. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep my, my eyes and ears open. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> you keep them in the loop. You keep them in the loop. No, but like, I'm super pumped to be here and just spend some time with you guys, talk about life, talk about fun stuff. Totally. And we're excited to have you. We're excited to ask you all kinds of questions. Um, I would love... We can talk literally about anything, of course, like we do. But I would love to begin growing up in Philly. This is a random question. Growing up in Philly, did that have an influence on the kind of music that you enjoyed? And did that help you get into, like, DJing at all or not? Yeah, it definitely did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so kind of the way that the area, I guess, impacted my trajectory as an artist was a lot of a lot of it was like what opportunities I had to actually go out and play my music because I mean I initially I just wanted to be a producer because like the first kind of music I ever got into was like video game music so like first type yeah. of electronic music anyways that I liked because I loved like because first I was a pianist and a drummer so I love rock and metal because like the drums are super fast yeah, and it's just high. like intense yeah, yeah. so so anyways, I started to make stuff that was like somewhere between video game music and rock or metal. And it mm. sounded really like cheesy at first. This was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like 11 years old when I started. Oh, sick. Yeah. So oh, pretty young. yeah, because both of my older brothers were in bands. Um, and so I wanted to be like them. And so I went to my oldest brother and I was like, hey, how can I make music like you guys? And he was like, oh, let me give you a program where you can kind of start making stuff on your own. And it was this, it was this crappy little like garage band level program called <laughs> yeah. magics and it was but it was perfect for me like it was easy to learn i started making song ideas started like figuring stuff out uh but then it was more when i got to the point where like i was making stuff that that sounded more professional a couple years later and yeah. then i got asked to play at like a tiny little club that was in the part of philly where i lived cool. and then i was like oh okay so like club music is like that's that's what really hits hard when you play it live like yeah. making my music more venue ready and more like danceable right. that kind of started to become more where I wanted to go with yeah. it and that brought in like elements of hip-hop and trap and stuff like that as well just because that's got that nice bump and bass so I like so that's kind of overall that's how the beginning was shifted because of the area that I was in because there were opportunities for me to DJ at clubs and yeah. that also got me more into like EDM artists like Skrillex or yeah. like Dead Mouse people like that back in the day uh, and then also like got me more into listening to rap yeah. and listening to beats for production and just that's kind of how I started to build my sound as an artist Dang. just mixing a bunch of things that I liked very well rounded um I have always wanted to play the piano. It's impossible. So while you were 11 playing piano, guitar, drums, making sick beats, I was, like, picking my nose on the playground. So <laughs> glad picking to see you. nose or picking up girls? Oh, uh, Probably man. both, if oh. I'm being honest. <laughs> with, at the, with at the, the same, same time. Hand, with the same, same hand. <laughs> Pick my nose, flick it. They find like your a hands, woman. you know. <laughs> yeah, anywho. Um, <laughs> we're just, yeah, ignore that. Ignore that. But that's super cool. Did you have to be a certain age, like playing? When you say clubs, am I thinking like in the club? Yeah. In the, okay. So did you have to be like eighteen by the time you started doing that, or did you do it before? So no, actually, it's interesting. Huh. Um, so because, so for example, the first, the first like open bar club show that I played at, I was sixteen years old, hmm. and my my access was sort of limited yeah. well at least for that one it was a small enough venue and it was kind of more underground it was mainly the next one where i so uh there's uh, an actor ansel elgort have you heard of him yeah yeah he so has a couple songs yep yeah. so i opened for him that was like my first big show no that way. i did That's yeah cool. it was nice. fun that, that was in 2016 2015 mm -hmm. um and that one that was the venue where like I could only be backstage pretty much yeah. or like they'd put me into like a certain part of the crowd where I wasn't by the bar. And it was actually yeah. really annoying because I wanted to be backstage to be able to like network with people yeah. and stuff, yeah. but I couldn't, Ugh. but it's insane. 16 though, being there at all is yeah, wild. It was so. fun. It was really cool. And it felt, it felt cool to be a part of something that was like for older people, but I was like this kid, but <laughs> yeah. I went up and like played my music and hyped up the crowd and did That's all that so stuff. Dope. It was really fun. I can't even imagine like looking up and the DJs, just this little boy. <laughs> yeah. like, this high school kid. Jamming these sick tunes. That's so cool. That is so Beardless cool. even. Yep. Not like now, but before. it's true. You're growing it out. Mm -hmm. It's looking good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cut that off. <laughs> but, uh, um, very no, cool. And so, yeah, that was like, the first time you got to go backstage with Ansel Elgort, which mm -hmm. is super sick. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, 
you can probably piece it together. You can Google him. But Ansel Elgort, what is he acting? He's in the uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Yeah. You've seen Divergent. Divergent. The new the Fault in Our Stars. Yes, all of them. All of them. So that's super sick. And you were also 16 then, or were you a little older by then? I was actually at that at that point. I think I was. 18. Yeah. No, I, I was 17. No, yeah. So for that show and the show after, I was 17 years old. Yeah. Dang, that's so, wild. Yeah. Was he a nice guy? Yeah, he was super nice. <laughs> Honestly, cool. he was. Like, the first thing that he yeah. said to me when I introduced myself, he was like, oh, dude, I'm sorry I missed your set. How was it? Like, yeah. like did you have fun? And I was like, dude, I had a blast. It was awesome. Like, he was immediately curious about yeah. me and, like, talking to Haley next to me because um my wife now yeah uh, she she and i were dating since high school so. oh sick okay yeah so she was there too and she like froze on the spot because yeah. she was a huge fan <laughs> she's like oh my god you like famous what do i do <laughs> no yeah but he was he was very nice very chill yeah how did you feel about that at the beginning like when it came to meeting certain celebrities and stuff big or small was that like a little bit of starstruck moment or was it more like just kind of humbling for for you both because because like Initially, you see somebody who you've like seen, like videos of them playing live, or you've yeah. seen them in movies or whatever, and you're like, and like initially you're just like, whoa, they're right in front of me. Like that's mm. that's weird because I'm yeah. usually just used to seeing them on a screen. Yeah. But then the second that like you start talking to them, you're just like, okay, this is a person, and I just need to treat them like a person. Yeah. They treat me like a person, and it's just a relationship. Yeah. So like, it, it is humbling though because it's it's like. To even be able to brush shoulders with people like that is an totally. honor. Oh, totally. Listen, that's how we feel right now. <laughs> Standing next to you. <laughs> We're like, that's, oh, my God. That's me right now with you guys. <laughs> please, I'm starstruck. Please. Starstruck. The life must go on. <laughs> he's lightheaded, about to pass out. <laughs> you can see he's pale. He's, right like, he's like, hey, i got to get some water before I start. <laughs> <laughs> that was me right before this. <laughs> definitely not because it's like 99 degrees outside. Yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, It's 97. Ignore the night. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's 97. It's not even hot. Not even. I didn't even sweat changing my clothes today like it was a workout. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Ask me every day. Oh, yeah, it happens. But you're, <laughs> you're actually a workout changing, so. Aw. What? What? Do you think that was sweet? It was kind of sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you never talk about me. What do you mean? <laughs> All I do is, anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. <laughs> so, so, so backtracking a little bit, how did you ever get to the point where, like, what did you do to get from I'm making small little beats on this ghetto little app to like I'm actually playing at places. Did you contact people? Did people find you? How did all that work? Were you sound were you on SoundCloud? Mm-hmm. SoundCloud's low key listen. Our podcast used to be on SoundCloud and like I never I was like, oh I don't know who's gonna listen on SoundCloud and then I hop on a year later and there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of views. <laughs> and I was That's like crazy. Oh man, I didn't know people were actually doing this. <laughs> and so sorry, I am ignoring that ignore that. But uh so like yeah, how did you get to that point or, or, or how did that work? It's uh I mean, a lot of it was just like right place at the right time, like right person hearing my stuff or whatever. Yeah. Cause like the first show that I did that was at that that kind of underground uh, club, that first one I did when I was 16. Mm-hmm. That was – so one of my best friends, Eris, shout out to Eris. Um, he uh, – so he was, like, a big fan of my music because he was all about, like, EDM. He's all about, like, rap, all about mm. all the stuff that – like, we, we listened to a lot of the same type of music. So he was super supportive of me. Yeah. His cousin – it was a uh, like an event promoter, so he was working on this like night glow rave club night thing, hmm. and um, and they were looking for like a couple openers, and so then Eris hit him up and was like, "Yo, you should book my friend because he's a dope producer." So then this dude uh, was like, "Oh yeah, like let me get in touch with him and just see if he'd be down. Like we can talk about stuff." And and so that was how that first one happened. And that was that was opening for this artist named Zax, who's like, uh, he's done some songs with like Tiesto and the Chainsmokers. So he he's like, he himself isn't humongous, but he's very in with but like a big crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like, I remember when I first got in touch with the promoter, and he was like, "Yeah, man, we want to have you on the show." I was mm-hmm. like, 
Like that was, yeah, <laughs> that was like, I was losing my ish during that. Cause yeah. it was just like, yeah. it was crazy, you know, like, cause I had just, well, cause then I was able to play my music for people instead of just it being something that I was just listening to in my bedroom yeah. in my parents' house. Totally. So it felt cool. Dang. That's so cool. That is so cool. Um, yeah, that has to be like the most, I don't know, that feeling, it's like, I finally accomplished this, I worked hard for a long time, doing my own little thing. Did you ever expect it? Like, did you ever intentionally, like, that's where I want to get to? Or was it just kind of like, I'm just enjoying making music and we'll see what happens? Or was it like, my plan right now is to be like a professional DJ? There was there was a transition where it was an accident at first. Hmm. But then it was mainly my older brothers helped to mentor me a lot because yeah. my oldest brother, Randy, he's uh, so he's a professional music producer full time, makes a living off of it and everything. Dope. He's on the Grammy voting board, like goes to the Grammys wow. every year. Dang, big he's, he's done music for Discovery Channel, VH1, Netflix. Like he does lots and lots of big projects. Yeah. So he initially was the one who was like, dude, you have a ton of potential. Like you should think about like at least giving it a really solid try, like to actually make it something you can make money with and yeah. that you can turn into a career potentially. So that was a very nice, like a very nice nudge in the right direction. My brother Eric also was hugely supportive of me. Eric's a great singer, uh, guitarist, bassist. Like he, yeah. he does a lot of stuff, super good drummer. But yeah, so both of them, plus my parents, were always very supportive of us following our passions and not, not just, like, they, they weren't just, like, saying, oh, like, you know, you just need to focus on school or you just need yeah. to do this or, you know, you should Smart spend your time doing stuff that's more productive or whatever. Yeah, it was <clears throat> really helpful to have their support with it, too. I was really yeah. lucky to have that. So basically with, with that, I just explored that more but realized that I liked the pressure that came from from uh I guess treating it as a more serious endeavor yeah so it seemed like a good huh. fit and I just kept going with it I like that you like the pressure of it that's mm -hmm. kind of cool um there's this analogy I know of where it talks about like um <laughs> it's actually David Bednar you guys know who that is <laughs> but uh talks about like when you're weighed down and sometimes that weight is able to help you gain traction. Yeah. Um, because if we're living too free and don't have anything on our plate, then, you know, we kind of lose traction, tires are spinning out, but when you put some weight on, you're able to, you know, exactly. gain yep. traction, so on and so forth. I think that's really yeah. cool. And I'm kind of, I mean, right now, I mean, I feel that same kind of feeling with the podcast. It's like, okay, Sure, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I love the feeling of trying new things, putting on an extra challenge, and, and, and being able to kind of run with it. Well, you just don't 100%. feel like you're spinning out doing nothing. Yeah. Like, I was listening this morning to this little mentor guru type person, and he was saying how a lot of the time we get comfortable with the idea of, like, retiring and all these different things. Like, why? Like, what mm -hmm. has this world done to us? Like, why would you ever want to retire if you love what you're doing? Yeah. Like, most people that end up retiring don't live that much longer after they retire because they have no purpose. It's true. If you don't have a purpose of what, with what you're doing, like it's useless, like your life's useless. He said that he had like retired at the age of 28 after selling a business. Oh, gee. And he, he's wild. like, after 30 days of driving my, his Harley up and down like the coast of California <laughs> and going to the gym for two to four hours a day, he's like, I went stir crazy. He's like, I had yeah. to do something else. Yeah. Yeah, you lose so. your mind. You lose your mind. <clears throat> um, very, very cool. Very good mindset. I, when it comes back to your process in becoming a DJ, was there ever moments where you felt like it was too much? Where you're like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> this is hard, and I'm meeting these big people, and you know, how do I get all this stuff to put together? Like, how did that feel in in your mind? Yeah, big time. Um, <clears throat> so it was especially like, especially when I got back from, so I served a, a mission in Mexico, actually like pretty much just south of where Hayden served his mission. Oh, really? I'll say. Yeah. Cool. So just south of Mexico City in Puebla. And uh, 
That was an amazing experience. Yeah. You served a mission as well, right? I yeah. was listening to that. In yeah. South Africa, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. Um, we, so anyways, yeah, it, I had an amazing experience there. Made some amazing friends. Hmm. Learned Spanish, which was super cool. Super nice, ate super some, helpful. Ate some amazing tacos. Dude, best All tacos. Days. I can't yes. imagine. I want I, them so I bad. crave tacos al pastor every <laughs> single day. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, coming back home, obviously, as it is for everybody, it was an adjustment for me. And I wanted to kind of fill that void a little bit by, by like getting like fully, fully immersed into the music scene again, like mm. working on lots of music. But the main thing was that in high school, I didn't make a whole lot of money yeah. doing DJing and music production. So <clears throat> I was looking into ways where I could actually make money as a producer yeah. working on stuff. Uh, ghost writing, like ghost producing for other artists that are bigger, like doing doing production for singers, doing stuff like that. And mm. there so this is this is where that kind of pressure aspect become it became kind of interesting for me because like in high school, mainly because there was no there was no like monetary pressure. Yeah. I was able to just be like, okay, like my pressure comes from the need to progress. Mm. And that was kind of it. Um, but I, so I started to treat it more like a job, trying to create as many songs as quickly as possible. And I started to really, I started to realize how, how much that was diminishing, like the creative outlet mm. of it for me. Mm. The fact that I was treating it like an actual moneymaker. And some people, like, for example, my brother, Randy, he's able to like crank out so many songs and he can make really good, like really good money with it, yeah. and also still keep that passion for it. Yeah. For me, just the way that I'm wired, I started to lose that passion for it, and I started to kind of lose sight of what I wanted to do because I was always just so set on like, oh, like this is this is my career. Like I'm gonna make this work. I'm gonna be full time, do all this stuff. And I had kind of like this really intense expectation for myself. Mm. And so that that was instead of being a driving factor, you kind of like I have to have a balance with that pressure. I can never have it be to the point where it cripples me. Yeah. Like with the analogy from that talk, like that, you know, you can't have so much pressure on the car that it breaks the axle. Yeah, like you, exactly. you gotta have it be just enough that it gets traction. That it gets traction, but not too much. Yeah. So so yeah, for me, and that was that was also a time where, um, where I started to, like, I started to really need to take care of my mental health mm. a lot more because like, I didn't have my main outlet at yeah. that time, like my main creative outlet, the main thing that would get endorphins firing in my brain and um, distract you from those feelings. Exactly. Yep. Because like all through my childhood, I. I had a lot of negative self-talk. I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of stuff that I didn't even really open up to my family about, yeah. like stuff that I wasn't even fully aware of that I had going on, experiences that I had in Mexico that were traumatic for me as well because mm -hmm. it was just such a different place and there were different things happening, scary things happening, as well as lots of good stuff. But I just didn't process that stuff, like the the, the hard stuff, the yeah. the bad stuff. So... So I was just kind of confused, feeling lost, needed, I, I needed to, to figure out where my mind was at with things. And like talking about it right now doesn't like, it, it's easy to just talk about it and explain it like that, but mm. it was a super freaking hard time for me. Like yeah. I had so many nights where I was just like, I mean, I was just distraught over what, like where I was going in life and feeling inadequate, feeling like mm. things weren't going in the right direction. Yeah. So mm. that's kind of, that's kind of where the, the hard moments were, at least yeah. with like, with music specifically. And that, that led to a bunch of other things as well. Like, I mean, if, if you're cool with that, I might just go into yeah, the no, whole, the whole awesome. story. I love it. I love it. So that was right after I got back from Mexico and I was, I was struggling a lot, 
like I said, digging a lot deeper into my mind, finding out that there was a lot more going on than I was even aware of. Uh, I got in touch with a psychiatrist, therapist, um, and like my family was also really supportive of me, especially my my sister. Um, she was extremely supportive because she was going to BYU-Idaho with me. So like we had a lot of heart-to-hearts. And yeah, um, yeah and so just basically all that stuff. There was, there was a time when like I was at BYU-Idaho and I was just not, not dealing with the anxiety and the depression well. Mm. And I, I just had to drop out of my classes and go back home because it was, it was a time when <clears throat> I had pressure of like figuring out my career, figuring out what I was doing with classes and like, uh, just a lot of different stuff. Also kind of figuring out who I wanted to associate with as well in my daily life. And it was, uh, I guess going back home was nice cause I had Haley there, yeah. my wife, yeah. um, or my girlfriend at the time. And she was, she has always been such a strong, like rock for me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah like ever since we started dating when I was in my junior year of high school and she was in her sophomore. You're just a youngin'. I know. Mm. But like, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a tough time. I, it even got to the point where like, I was, I was like doing a decent amount of self-destructive stuff. I was, I I had to check myself into inpatient therapy for a Mm. week, which I'm not like, for a little while after that experience, I didn't really like talking about it, but yeah. I, I've come to terms a lot more with the fact that that was a necessary part of my progression. That was where I realized um, a lot of things that were wrong with me, and I started to learn how to cope with those things. Mm. Learning coping coping mechanisms was like the biggest thing, but right. even after that, I still had a tough time with it because in order to use your coping mechanisms, you have to be motivated to use them. And a lot of the time, you're not you're exactly like, yeah, the no, exactly what I want to do. Like my therapist told me these because I've as well. I've gone to therapists and stuff because obviously traumatic injury, yada, yada. Totally. You've all mm-hmm. heard it. And yeah, like you learn the grounding things, like you learn all the different like mindfulness exercises, mindfulness exercise. Yeah, whatever it is, meditations in the moment, you're just like, no, I'm going to be sad because it's more comfortable. Yep. Exactly. This is what I'm used to. Yep. hundred mm. percent. That honestly, it, it, does sound really like contradictory but like when you're in that moment that's it's crazy that's it just feels comfortable it feels better to just be sad than to overcome it exactly it hurts more to try and overcome it than just be like okay i know this feeling i can do this sadness Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah essentially essentially there was a point fast forward like a year later um where so one one of my super good friends from Mexico who I actually got to baptize when I was down there um, awesome. which was so cool one of my one of my super good friends like he and I were into like very similar types of music we yeah. always talked about going to see like Martin Garrix and Skrillex <laughs> and like yeah. all of our favorite uh artists and bands together in the future um so I got a text from his mom one day mm. and it just said that Yael, which is his name, Yael committed suicide. And mm. I was like, that that's when it hit me, the gravity of the times when I almost brought myself to like to taking my own life. Mm. And I was just like, oh my goodness. Cause it's, it's a hurt that is like inconsolable. When yeah. somebody else did that to themselves and you love them so much. I mean, I still love Yael to this day. I think about him every day. Yeah. And and it's just the the kind of hurt that that causes other people that like that really snapped me into like okay i i got to get my stuff together like i i need to really decide that i want to live hmm. and that i want to live my life to the fullest that i can hmm. and that was that was when i really started using all of those coping mechanisms and i started like like developing really good habits i started i started a new type of medication that was a better fit for me I started being a lot more transparent with people. And that was also like, uh, that was actually a, a tiny bit after the time that I had released my album. Yeah. And I 
like especially my relationship with my music like prior to that whole kind of section of my life when I was kind of rebuilding myself more actively I was um I was actually really like since I had all that negativity towards myself I also had a lot of negativity towards my music Hmm. and towards what I created because I was like no this stuff sucks like no why would anybody listen to it even even though the label was pushing it a bunch and people were listening to it people were commenting people were doing all this stuff my like confirmation bias was just saying like no those people are idiots for liking your music and stuff like that. So that was also when my, my feelings towards my own music started to get a little bit better. And Yael was a big supporter of my music. Like I was talking to his sister pretty like maybe a couple months after, after he passed away Mm. and she was like, Oh yeah, he would like literally sing your songs. And and I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, So yeah, like, and that makes me feel good because some of that music has a little bit of him in it for me. So like, I I wish that that wasn't the thing that made me switch my perspective and like actually become more active towards taking care of my mental health. But like, but I mean, today I feel more stable and Mm. more peaceful than I have my entire life yeah and awesome and like I've it's a it's a daily battle as you guys both know you know like the happiest people are happy because they work hard to keep themselves in the right frame of mind Mm. and so it's like I just need to always remind myself that life must go on essentially but like but in a way where I'm focused on the right things, actively working towards what I value, mm. not wasting time on stuff that I don't care about. Yeah. So that's that's kind of my my progression, my that's whole like story with intermediate that. Intermediate sh- hey, hey, hey. That's that is so crazy. I I <clears throat> well, I don't want to I don't want to say I love it because I'm sorry. No, it's, <laughs> you know, it's we're just <laughs> grateful you shared it with us. Honestly. Yeah, 100%. Thanks. Um I think it's so crazy to think that album you said during this time, that's the album that had like the 10 million views, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it's so crazy to me, just trying to look at the grand scheme of life and the way things somehow work out and pan out. It's just so crazy that during that time of like, you know, pretty much some of your worst days, you were obviously starting to progress and do a little bit better. But during that time, you have this album that's doing amazing. And everybody from the outside looking in would be like, He's probably the hypest guy ever. He's probably so happy. Look how much success he's having. His his songs are doing really well. Look how awesome it is. But on the inside, you're obviously not feeling that exact same way. Right. Um, and it's so strange the way that through a challenge, um, like your friend, uh, through a challenge, it sometimes is necessary to wake us up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that you plugged in the suggestion of, like, I wish that wasn't what woke me up to it. I wish that prior I would have been able to. But sometimes we need it. And I think, I mean, the entire last episode discussing my situation and my background, uh, I've had to have like 27 of those experiences where it's like you have to wake up. You know, I need it. I need it. You needed that one. And, and some people, they don't need it. Everything's a little bit different for everybody. But it's just so cool to see the way that even though that did come and that situation did happen, rather than letting it dig you a little bit deeper, like, you know, on paper, if you look at it and we wrote it all out and someone's reading a book, they'd be like, oh, he was having anxiety, he was having major depression, um, and then his friend passed away. On paper, it'd be like, oh, next step is clearly like he's going to be even worse and he's going to be even worse off. But you were able to take that and use that bad emotion, use that sad experience, and then fuel it, knowing that like this is not only be just you now, but it, it's almost like you, your friend, are almost connected in that way. Yeah. Um, and using that as fuel to be able to then progress the rest of your of your career and and and, and obviously just of your life, which is the most important part of of all of it. Jeff, something saying? Yeah, I mean, like in a sense. Yael is now living through you, right? Mm-hmm. All those things that he can't experience, like he's probably looking down like, go Jeff, like 
sorry it had to be me, but I'm here to help you out, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what was going through my mind is, like, I know, like, Yael would want me to, he wouldn't want me to kind of give in like he did, which I don't blame him for. At first, I was was frustrated, and I was, I had so many different emotions going on, but Mm -hmm. I... I think in the end, you know, who, I mean, who, who knows? knows how sane everybody is in yeah, that situation? Who, yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows how it'll all really end up yeah. in the end? I, I feel like I'm going to see him again, though. And mm. I, I feel like it's going to be it's in the long in the long run. It'll be a blip. Yeah, that's that's how it really feels. I feel like he wants me to keep going. And that like that was a big thing for me. Also, mm. my own faith in God, just understanding that. um Understanding that God loves all of us so much and loves and wants me to wants me to to keep achieving what he knows I can as his son. Yeah, absolutely. Are you guys cool with us like talking about religious things on here? <laughs> yeah, of no. Hundred percent. I think everybody who listens to the podcast that's that's not religious, um, I think just the biggest takeaway from anything that comes down to like God. It's just ultimately, like you're saying, that moment you kind of had to pause and think, what do I believe? You know, like what actually gets me out of bed? And I think for those who are listening who aren't, you know, who don't believe in God necessarily. It's a purpose. Yeah, it's a purpose. You know, what do I believe? Whether it's, you know, something that they're actively pursuing, um, so on and so forth. Like anybody can take that as a lesson of, okay, I need to believe in something, whether it's myself, whether it's people that are around me. I need something firm, something that will drive me, something that will keep me out of the depths of, you know, anxiety, depression, something that will that will push them. Totally. And so, yeah, you're totally fine mentioning, cool. mentioning yeah. that stuff. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, that's a big part of who I am. That's a big part of uh, me being able to cope with stuff. You know, like a, a lot of For people, sure. a lot of people view specifically meditation as like a form of, of coping, mm. and that for me is prayer. So it's... Yeah. So, yeah, but just just to kind of clarify, though, like during these dark times, there were so many super high moments yeah. and like super amazing experiences that I had and amazing people like <clears throat> especially the last year has been like I said, I've felt the best that I have my whole life. Yeah. And it's been amazing. I got married last year. Woo! Haley and I got Love married it. in November of last year. Oh, Jesus. probably on the 17th, huh? It was on the 20th. Dang it. <laughs> Close. My birthday. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. But, um, but yeah, and, like, so that was that was a very interesting moment because I had kind of taken a break from doing shows for mm-hmm. a little while. Uh, and then, <clears throat> oh, something I totally forgot to mention also was that there was a time in there where I wanted to throw in the towel with music. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do music anymore it was actually right after i dropped that album i was like oh this can be just the last thing of my career just yeah. an extra thing you didn't want to think about pretty much mm. and so then one of my friends uh ray kim he he was like dude you can't do this because you got way too much talent like we should do a project together mm. and we're just like and we'll produce stuff together we'll dj together all that um and so he kind of helped to pull me away from just completely giving up because yeah. it made it so that I didn't have to put as much pressure on like on myself for the music like he would he was helping make the music made it so I didn't need to it was mainly not pressure so much as like validating the music myself because mm. um, I had that validation from him mm-hmm. and just like we were able to create stuff together and it was had a significance because it was us together right uh, and then COVID hit because we, we were going to do shows and stuff then COVID hit and we did like a virtual music festival later that year oh, in yeah. 2020. It was really fun. Yeah, it was called Lucidverse. Um, there's a video of it on YouTube actually. It was nice. really fun. So, but um, but yeah. So like the first like in-person show that I did was the Justin Bieber show last year. <laughs> so that was a that was a crazy moment because no kidding. Yeah. Because like the way that that kind of happened was um, I have two really good friends. Uh, Anthony Molka and Ricky Yuliucci. They're mm. both, they both have done lots and lots of shows in Philadelphia. They opened for Martin Garrix. Um, I performed with them at the Steve Aoki show. Yeah, uh, they're amazing dudes. So, anyways, they got me in touch with 
the lab or with the the venue rather, the director of promotions there, and he was the one who. It was really funny because we were so I was already booked for the Tory Lane show mm -hmm. like a couple weeks after. Yeah, and then he was like, "Oh, dude, I last minute I need a I need a first opener for Justin Bieber," on Saturday. and I was like. It can't be this easy. I was like, there's no way that it's this easy. And like, <clears throat> he had slightly hinted at it when I was just like on the phone with him getting ready for him. Like, because yeah. I was going to go and meet up with him so he could give me tickets that I could go and sell to like people that I knew for mm -hmm. the Tory Lane show. Uh -huh. And uh, I was like talking to Haley and I was like, babe, should I ask him if I can open for Jay Beebs? <laughs> she was like, um, she was like, as long as you don't feel like it's too much for you right now, because it was like the the show was three days later so than that. Oh, day. really? Oh, yeah. so you had to be like prep, prep. Yeah, and like I know that she normally would have just been like, "Yes, do it, do it, hundred million percent, do it." But she was just like, "Just make sure that like you feel good about it. Wow. Just make sure you feel comfortable." And I, and it's funny because she feels bad that she had that reaction instead <laughs> yeah. of just being like, "Yes, go <laughs> for it." <laughs> Because she was like, I feel like I should have been more supportive, but honestly, I feel like she was the most supportive in just saying, like, make sure to think it through. Like, yeah, hesitate before you just go into it. Totally. Right. Um, Which is awesome. Yeah. That's big time. And so on the way there, like, I called my brother Eric, and because uh, I, I was also going to call my brother Randy and hmm. call some other people, but, yeah, they weren't available. So I was talking to Eric, and he was just like, uh, dude, like, this is probably, like, the one opportunity you're gonna get in the next, like, foreseeable future to do an opening gig for for Justin Bieber. Yeah, take it. Yeah, and I was like, all right, like, let me think about it. And so I was, so <laughs> like so 20 crazy. minutes later, I went to the like, it was literally. It's, it sounds so like funny and almost kind of sketchy, but we were <laughs> we were just in like a Target parking lot in Philly. And uh, <laughs> thinking about the opener yep. for Justin Bieber. And then, no, and I was with um, Moses. He was the dude who was <coughs> giving me the tickets. Mm. And then he was just like mentioning it again. He was like, yeah, man, I'm just looking for somebody right now uh, who can fill that spot. And I was like, I I'll do that, dude. Like, I will take that <laughs> opening spot. That spot. And yeah. he was like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, man. He was like, cool. And I was just like. That's it. <laughs> what? What have I? Happened? What have I done? <laughs> like, oh crap! Yeah, and so there was so wow. much going through my mind as well. Like so much, like there was so much excitement, so much happiness, so mm. much like, but also so much like I'm way in over my head. Like, right. am I ready for this? Am I mentally prepared for what this is going to require me to do? Yeah. And so it was just like a crazy mix of emotions. But, Whew, but that's yeah. so crazy. So the next day. I can say this now because I'm not working at this job anymore. I called out <laughs> sick just to work on my set for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah. And I was working, like, both of those days, the entire days, to prep my set for that that gig. And it, it <laughs> You're was, like, I'm sick. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. You're like, yep. you'll see me on stage yeah. in a couple days. Like, no big deal. Yeah, I told one of my coworkers, and she was like, oh, no, yeah, good. <laughs> don't don't yeah. come to work. Yeah, please, please be as sick as possible, please. So, um but that was like one of my favorite sets I've ever done. Yeah. Like that was the biggest, that was the biggest venue I've ever played in. And like, I mean, it's the Beebs. It, yeah, it was awesome. Um, and my friend Ricky Yuliucci, he also got to, to play right after me. Yeah. He was already booked like more in advance. Right. Uh -huh. Was the crowd just going hype? You know, they they were pretty hype. I think they were more there for Justin Bieber. Than <laughs> right, <laughs> so, obviously. Of course. So, and also the club, like, was, because it was an after party for the Made in America Festival. Uh -huh. So that was, so it was, like. A different dynamic. At a club. And I was more setting the stage, like, like setting the atmosphere. Gotcha. So they were, like, yeah, don't play too many bangers. Yeah. Just, like, keep the vibe going. Yeah. And I was, like, okay. So. Gotcha. But I got to play a lot of really fun music and, like, just make it a cool, yeah. like, cool flowy mix and um the Tory Lane show was probably the most hype one like hype yeah, yeah I imagine that was <laughs> throwing as much bass that as was you can <laughs> unhealthy amount of bass there was one point where even like the sound people were like, like hey that's that's too hot you gotta you gotta bring the bass down <laughs> they're like my ears are literally is, bleeding and collecting it with a claw because <laughs> I started to feel like in that moment I was playing Mercy by Kanye West oh, and, no. and, and it was just like 
I you, like you know the beat to that song. Like, yeah. Like, oh, 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 okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like and just it's has the that sub going, <laughs> and and I was like, it got to a point where I don't even really know what was happening because I was like messing with something. You were lost in. And then yeah, then yeah. it brought the bass up a whole bunch, and so and then I was like, oh wait. <laughs> It's getting harder to breathe because of how much the freaking room <laughs> My is My lungs like, are jiggling. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but, like, anyways, so just, just kind of to sum it up, mm. within all of the hard times that I've had, there have been so many really cool experiences and so many people who've helped me through it and who've, like, um, just helped show me that I don't need to do it on my own. Yeah. That's, like, the biggest thing in the world is just learning that I can relax and let other people help me in mm. life. Like it totally. just that's been so humbling and so liberating. You know, just that's to, awesome. to understand that. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest lessons and one of the hardest lessons to learn. It's like as humans we're just so naturally like to ourselves that we don't want to open up and yeah. um, I think what was really cool and this is backtracking a lot, but tying in with what you're saying always comes full circle it always does um but uh I, I just the beginning when you started going through some things but you kind of kept it to yourself and i think it's really cool that you had a good support group around you where when you did open up about stuff and you did open up about what was going on you said like your family was really supportive you had a sister that was really supportive you had people around you that were really supportive and i think that i mean in all of it like once again from the outside looking in you see a guy He's playing for the Beebs. He's playing for Toy Lanes. It's like, oh, he's he's chilling. <laughs> like he doesn't need no help. But you know, no matter what situation or what blessings that have fallen into our laps, whatever's going on in someone's life, it can look really awesome. But even those people, you know, everybody still needs people. We still need those who are close to us. We still need connection, not only physically, but like emotionally and mentally. We need to connect. Mm -hmm. We need to have these kinds of talks that we're having right now that yeah, kind of yeah. remind you, oh, this is how I got to this point. That's what I went through to get to this point. And I think a, a, a healthy amount of being open is just one of the best things you can do for yourself. Um, I do think you can be too open. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, no, you know, I agree. It's, a yeah, sure. especially like, I'm not just like, you know, imagine you're up there DJing and you're just like, hey, buddy. Let me tell you about my past. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's the time yeah. and a place, time and a place. Totally. Um, and some things, I think if you, uh, I'm sure you've learned this, but some things are so almost sacred that you don't just share everything with everybody. You know what I mean? And I'm sure there's moments like right now that we have no idea about, but you look back and you're just like, yeah, those key moments where things were hard, like that sucked. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm ranting about that. It's just really cool to see how it all kind of came full circle. And within the process of you gaining more success, that's not necessarily even what made you at peace with yourself, but it was more of the internal things. Yeah, because um, yeah, there's, no, cool. there's no amount of like external validation that will quiet all, yeah. those, all those fears and demons and everything. Yeah. Um, but even, even this right now is like kind of a big step for me, mm. vulnerability-wise, because, yeah. like, I I think most people who know me and, like, who just follow me on social media and stuff don't know about any of this stuff that, like, I yeah. just told you guys about and that people will be listening to this right. and hearing about. So, like, but at the same time, I'm super grateful that you guys have this, this platform for people to be able to express sides of themselves that they wouldn't otherwise. Because yeah. I, I can guarantee you I would never have... <laughs> addressed this opened in a up normal, an Instagram live yeah in an yeah. interview or an Instagram live or whatever like yeah. I, I would never just dive into this kind of topic mm -hmm. but the fact that you guys have created this kind of like space this space yep totally it's just a safe place safe space for people to to share their story mm. well, share the, the hard stuff and the good stuff yeah. yeah the thing is people know what they're about to listen to right people know why they're coming on the show as well and so it's just, like you said, it's just a free space. Get it all out. Obviously, your life's going to go on, right? Which is why we Life always... must go on, you know? That's why we always try to end the episode on a positive note because, I mean, that's how crap happens, be. right? Yeah. But it's got to move on. I, like, my biggest takeaway, at least from 
your whole spiel of like everything was just like try to be the happiest you've ever been every day mm-hmm. and just kind of position yourself or do things You're like okay well I'm not feeling so great today like what can I do to be happier right mm-hmm. and I think if you're looking for ways to be happier you're gonna find ways to be happier yeah mm. that's true and even like part of part of being happier and not just like acting happy is to accept when you're sad totally and just process that just feel it and let yourself like let yourself create meaning and purpose out of it because then that's a positive experience you have to know yeah. why you're sad right otherwise you're just sad to be sad yeah because accepting something that's hard is a positive experience and so that's like that's something that keeps you happy like you're saying it's like it it helps you towards finding all those reasons to to keep yourself positive like creating sad experiences rather than a sad mindset exactly yep because if it's an experience you can get rid of it yeah you, you can, can and then you can look back on it and learn from it but if it's exactly. a mindset now it's almost an addiction or like a exactly. habit and you it's it takes work to get out of it 100 yep cool no, yeah, that's, right. no that's that's very very true and i know like i mean on, especially on the um i want to say it was like episode six that was the one where you shared yeah. your whole story yeah and like that's that was a takeaway that i actually got from yours as well just like understanding that like you still have days that freaking suck and mm. i mean we all do you know and we just have to we have to compartmentalize those as feelings that that like we have for a moment mm-hmm. yeah. and experiences that we have for a moment but then new experiences follow mm. yeah 100 yeah. percent. totally that's literally life must go on wrapped up in a big old blanket <laughs> <laughs> um that is that is really awesome i assume it's time and so that seriously was the perfect ending um jeff thank you so much for opening up being real with us being real with the people um i took a lot away from it uh, you even said something ph- philosophical that i've written down even so well, i wrote a couple things down too <laughs> <laughs> so um i don't know it's it's really cool and what i'll say what i always say is that all those experiences from the past that were difficult that you went through guarantee you that this the feeling that you'll feel once you get a message from this episode someone says hey thanks for what you shared that feeling alone makes up for all the pain that came before it and so once again jeff thank you so much hayden as always thank you monson as always thank you oh thank you oh you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's a wrap we're gonna roll some sick beats right now so stay tuned listen to them real quick I started to miss you, but am I supposed to do?